Welcome to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, your guide to good food, good health, and a good life. And now, here's your host, Nutrition Network Advisor and author of the Nourishment Mindset, Dixie Huey. Happy Transformation Tuesday, y'all. Welcome back or welcome to, if this is your first Nourishment Mindset podcast, This is my seventh episode, and this week we're going to go through the top 10 myths to becoming not fat and not sick that I revealed in last week's podcast where we took a little 10-question quiz. So we're going to do a deeper dive into why those myths exist and how you can wrap your mind around not getting stuck into that mindset. We'll also end with a not-fat, not-sick cheat sheet. So if you listen to Nourishment Mindset number six last week, some of these statements, myths, may have surprised you, given that they are, most of them, contrary to the mainstream nutrition and even medical advice that you may have received. We've been following these for 50-plus years, Essentially, Kaiko, calories in, calories out, method of move more, eat less to lose weight, and our grain-based regimes. This has only resulted in an explosion of diabesity, a term I haven't coined, but I've seen throughout, and it's true. It's obesity and type 2 diabetes rates. They've exploded. So this advice doesn't work. I don't care who's giving it to you. It's bad advice. And even if it works for a few of us, for those of us uh, who don't have the supermodel or perhaps uh, fabulous French skinny mini gene, it's just simply bad advice. It's not that we're bad at doing math. It's not that we're lazy people. The advice just stinks. We need a new paradigm. The good news is there is a new paradigm. It's important to know that there is a lot wrong in our food supply. So getting back to, it's not necessarily because you're lazy or that you're bad at math, that you have maybe some pounds to lose or you don't like your um, recent set of labs uh, from your doctor. And hopefully y'all are getting those at least once a year. But our food supply, um, it's broken. You know, from the way that we farm um, to what is being produced and how it's made, as well as all the additives, thickeners, conditioners, preservatives, colorants, and more that are added to ultra-processed foods. Most of the things that we eat are manufactured ultra-processed products. I don't even say food, I say products that are made to be addictive. So before I give you an example, I want to make sure that I'm clear. I am not hating on your local farmer. I love my local farmers, or I should call them semi-local farmers, um, Circle C and um, Pine Shine in Florida are two of my favorite. So 
traditional, um, regenerative, sustainable farmers, they kick ass. This is the direction we need to head back to. This is how it used to be done. Ginormous big ag farming is what is depleting our soils, and it's all the grain, soybeans, corn, all this stuff sprayed with glyphosate. This is not how we farm. It's not how we maintain soil health. So more of that in a future episode, but I do want to give you that example. I was at Low Carb Denver in 2019. This was a life-changing event for me for many reasons, but one of the examples of like super duper ultra processed foods uh, that was given is this product called Doritos Roulette. And the um, company had provided to the speaker um, the kind of background behind developing this product and why they were so excited about it. And there has been research done um, on illicit drug users that shows if they just get like the same hit and the same high every time, that's not super exciting. But if the brain doesn't know through the dose or the size of the hit, it lights up like a firecracker. And so we bring you Doritos Roulette. You never know how hot the chip in the bag is so you can turn it into like a game you're sitting around with your friends like oh my gosh that dude got the super hot when his mouth is on fire so now we're like playing games with food this is an extreme example i realize but it just goes to show that certain food manufacturers many big food folk are literally looking to ways to create an addictive response within the brain. So think on this next time you're shopping in the middle aisles and you pick up something, I hope you'll turn it around, look at the ingredients. As a reminder, if you don't know what the heck the ingredients mean or the words are unpronounceable, look like a chemistry class quiz, this is not food, this is junk. As I've harped on before, this, the nourishment mindset is all about real, whole, preferably semi, single rather, ingredient foods. Most of these foods don't need nutrition labels because in a packet of organic grass-fed ground beef, the ingredient is beef. In a carton of eggs, the ingredient is egg. And in whatever, choose your favorite uh, vegetable, the ingredient is that. These real whole single ingredient foods don't interfere with your endocrine system. Faux, ultra-processed, highly manufactured foods do. So we must keep this in mind as we go through that top 10 myths that last week was a quiz that I had you take. So let's start here. Um, number 10 myth, we did the countdown, was essentially exposing that fruits and vegetables are not part of the same food group, if you will. I know that we've all been taught to like put those plants um, on a pedestal and just eat as much of that as you want. Now, if you're metabolically healthy with an excellent fasting insulin, and no metabolic diseases, maybe you can get away with eating 
fruit till your heart's content. But if you're not, and that's, well, somewhere around 88% of Americans, then fruit is not necessarily your friend. And I know that stinks to hear. Who doesn't love like summer berries? I'm not sitting here saying don't ever eat fruit, but fruit and vegetables are different given the effects on your body's blood sugar. Okay, so if I pop a banana first thing in the morning, like I used to do before I would go running, my blood sugar is going to jump up. That's 25 grams of carbohydrates. Boom, I need insulin to bring that blood sugar down. It's very different if I take something like, mm, I, I'm making um, rainbow shard tonight, like a cup or two of that that's of course cooked in a natural dietary fat. I'm not going to have that blood sugar burst for two reasons. The carbohydrate content is significantly less, and I've mitigated that insulin response by cooking it in a naturally nourishing fat. So it, it, it's, again, not saying don't ever eat fruit, but if you notice, like, in a country like France, you know, a tiny piece of fruit is thought of as a dessert for some meals. And I think the French have that right. So the other thing to know is that some things that we consider vegetables, oh, all vegetables are great. Again, I'm not going to demonize vegetables, but they do have different effects on your blood sugar. So carrots, sweet potatoes, corn, probably the worst, as it's usually sprayed with glyphosate, these are all pretty starchy, right? A lot of us think of starches as like pasta, bread, etc., rice, but you also have really starchy vegetables. So these are not the same as like your greens or um, say red peppers. You know, there's many non-starchy vegetables. And so these are really different categories. And I realize this is annoying because it essentially makes it more confusing. But this is a top 10 myth. It's not just eat all your fruits and vegetables to your heart's content. It's more nuanced than that. I think y'all are smart enough to handle the truth. So that's what I'm going to say there. The number nine myth was talking about how you just need to eat uh, less and move more to gain weight. I want to circle back to Keiko, calories in, calories out. This is ridiculous math. Your body is so much more complex than this. And think about this. Let's say I eat a 200-calorie brownie and an amount of ground beef that is also 200 calories. Are these really the same foods? Let's go back to that discussion of blood sugar. If the banana is elevating blood sugar, what do you think this sugary not even natural fructose occurring in the fruit, this sugary brownie that may be made with faux sugar, also high fructose corn syrup, how do you think that's gonna be different in my body than an equivalent amount of energy from ground beef? We just, we've got to throw away the calories game. It, it is just that. It is a game created by big food that makes you think, well, as long as I keep my calories together, it doesn't matter what I eat. Complete freaking BS. Nutrient density is the lens that we need to look through because Keiko will always ultimately backfire. Okay, let's go to myth number eight. 
All this sugar-free, faux sugar stuff, it's fine because it doesn't have any calories. Okay, you can probably guess what I'm going to say about this. You need to look at the ingredients. Some of these are just chemicals. I probably shouldn't say the brands. don't want to get myself sued. But even the, the ones that are sort of noted as, quote, healthy, end quote, sugar substitutes, these can elevate blood glucose in a number of people. You might be one of them. I saw a, a client the other day who was adding Splenda to every drink throughout the day. My hypothesis, of course, why is his blood sugar continually elevated? Well, duh, that. <laughs> you can't be, cons your brain does not necessarily go, oh, this is like a calorie-free extreme sweetness that's coming in. I'll just disregard that and not have an insulin response. So again, nourishment mindset is not about demonizing things except for those nasty seed and vegetable oils. But it's, it's trying to get you to think of what is this bringing to my body. So essentially, if you are consuming a bunch of faux sugars, you are likely creating a glucose spike and an insulin response. And this is no bueno for your metabolic health. All right, one of my absolute favorites, this idea number seven myth that I've got to fuel my workouts. You know, I need like a pre-workout beverage and then some other fun stuff in the middle of my, you know, what, 45 minute workout if I'm lucky, and then a post-recovery something. These things are found in the fuel aisle of certain supermarkets. This is all expensive, ultra-processed junk. You do not need to be snacking and eating around the clock, especially to fuel the workout. Your body is designed to do exercise and movement without needing fuel, okay? So these, are, these can be a real problem for people. Myth 10, you gotta exercise your way to that scale moving down. Eh. Exercise can actually increase your hunger. This is a fitness instructor telling you, and I'll be blunt, Exercise is not a good way to lose weight, period. Am I saying exercise is not good for you? Absolutely not. Exercise has tremendous benefits, increasing your insulin sensitivity. We want to be insulin sensitive. That system working better is what that means. Better sleep, better mood, better body composition, meaning more muscle, less adipose or fat tissue, more strength. One of the things that really helped me recover from an eating disorder was hitting the weights in the gym. I felt stronger. I was not only stronger physically, but mentally. So that was important. But this whole idea of you gotta exercise the pounds off is stemming from that big food, big diet, big exercise, Kaiko, calories in, out. So exercise for other reasons, but not to lose weight. Myth five, low-fat products. These are not naturally nourishing fat-filled. They have added sugar. When they took out the fat of, say, your whole milk yogurt, they added a bunch of sugar and chemicals. Now we have a less nutrient-rich food 
that spikes your insulin more and creates a blood sugar roller coaster. And guess what? Big food is happy to have that because you'll just keep snacking all day. So no more low-fat products. Just buy the real deal. Myth four, white meat is better than red meat. Okay, a lot to say about this, but I'm going to keep it short. We'll go into it more in a future episode. Bottom line, red meat has significantly more nutrient density than, quote, white meat. I'm not saying don't eat chicken. I will add that you should be careful what you're buying. A lot of chickens are raised with antibiotics, eating feed that is not species appropriate. So you want to be really careful from where you source your meats. But the idea that red meat is bad for you has never been proven in a randomized controlled trial. It's only associational data. Associational data is what you use to create a hypothesis and then test it. So the media loves to tout those headlines. They don't have the proof in the pudding. So this relates to myth number two. So I'm now going out of order because we were at four. Myth number two is that saturated fat should be limited. And the reason I'm going out of order is because remember how I said there's never been an RCT, a randomized controlled trial, showing issues with the saturated fat that people think of in red meat? Again, all associational. Furthermore, know that different animals have different ratios of the different kinds of fat. So it's not as black and white as like, oh, beef goes over here in this horrible saturated fat category, and chicken isn't in that, and so therefore it's better. It, it just doesn't work like this, folks. Like a lot of stuff in life, we're dealing in the gray. So I'm sure that I'll do an entire episode on saturated fat in the future. So again, we were out of order. Myth three, and I love this one. You gotta eat small, frequent meals to lose weight. Oh my gosh, this is a great way to just stay hungry and hangry all day. It also means an incredible amount of prep. All I did when I ate this way was think about my next hit of food. Also, if I had known it then, it doesn't even make sense to eat like this. All you're doing is spiking your blood sugar over and over, meaning that you need an insulin response to mitigate that. You're just doing this all day long. So it's actually better for you to eat fewer times per day. I'm not advocating starving yourself. I'm just saying, pick your meal times. For adults, Two to three meals a day should be fine. And when you sit down to eat, eat for real. Okay, have nourishing, protein-rich food, vegetables, and naturally nourishing dietary fat. And then you're going to feel great. And you don't have to be eating all day and looking for your next snack hit. All right, last one. Diets work. This is the way to go. I love to say, diet and riot rhyme. And when you're on a diet, a restriction mentality, you are causing your hormones to riot. Do not do that to yourself. Diets can work temporarily, but they're always going to result in regaining of fat. And so you end up more 
body composition-wise percent fat than you started, even if the scale is the same. So with the nourishment mindset, we want to harmonize with our hormones. This means paying attention to your hunger and satiety cues, not like reading some sheet about what you should be eating at this time or the other. If you're a creator of you know, such and such said diet, that's great for your pocketbook, but it really has nothing to do with harmonizing with an individual's hormones. So that's my explanation on each of those. Could do a deeper dive into all of them, but I just thought it important to circle back, especially if you took that quiz and you were like, what, this is not what I was taught. Well, it's true, it's a new paradigm. So let's flip it here. Let's go to that not fat cheat sheet, okay? I have a whole book about the nourishment mindset. 45,000 words, I think it is. So I have plenty to say, but if you don't have time for all that, I'm just going to give you my top three, okay? Not fat, cheat sheet. Number one, you've heard it before, embrace nourishing natural dietary fat. My episode two was get your fats right. It will always be true. Real whole fat foods like olive oil, butter, tallow, coconut oil, full fat yogurt and cheese, the fat you find in an avocado, in nuts, especially macadamia. Those are some fatty mofos. Oh my goodness, that's why they're so expensive, um, as well as their harvesting. Those are real food fats. Enjoy. On the flip side, if they ain't found or easily produced in nature, no way. The worst of the worst. I love picking on them. Pseudo heart healthy oils. Canola, corn, sunflower, saffron, rice bran, all this stuff. Nope. These are all highly processed, bleached, deodorized, gross. Get them out of your diet. This is huge. If you're going to do one thing, of course, this is the thing. Number two, on my cheat sheet, drastically reduce your intake of sugar. This was in another episode. This is the bad white granular stuff, not salt. Salt has been demonized up, down, sideways. You know what? You can bet your tuchus, the sugar industry, is behind that. Salt's been around for millennia. I'm not saying the one with the chick and the umbrella is the best source for you. There's some additives in that one. Salt's great. You got taste buds. Flavor your food with salt. Sugar is the white powder problem. Sugar is very addictive, and it just makes you want more. So the best way on my cheat sheet is to drastically reduce, dare I say, eliminate sugar, even if for a period of time, 30, 60, 90, 180 days. See how your body does without this stuff. It is, for a lot of my clients, miraculous for them. Not just from a pant size point of view, but mood, sleep, etc. My number three, not fat cheat sheet, 
Cut way back on those starches and grains. Anything in that category, even those really starchy vegetables. A lot of this stuff is sprayed with glyphosate. And even if you're buying the organic, the number one reason to buy organic if you can afford it is to avoid glyphosate. These starches are viewed by your liver as sugar. So I'm not saying never have risotto again. I'm not giving up risotto forever. I love stirring that stuff and cooking it, but it's an occasional treat at our house. So these are my top three, not fat, not sick cheat sheet, Invase, embrace rather than naturally nourishing dietary fats, drastically reduce or eliminate sugar, cut way on back on starches, that will transform your life. And there's no pharmaceutical aid needed. <laughs> you don't need to call me up and become a client and then pay me to tell you that. I'm just throwing that out there for three. That's how you do it. It's that simple. Now, of course, there are psychological reasons to work with a health coach. Some of us want a cheerleader. Some of us want an accountant. That's fine. But this is, this is how you do it. This is what's behind the curtain or kimono. Now, some of you might want more. Okay, I don't mind giving you a bit more if you want to do some extra credit work. I would say, especially in my case, this helped. But, you know, if you're one of those weighers, and y'all know who you are, stop weighing yourself so damn much. That number on that scale is going to fluctuate within four plus pounds just based on a myriad of factors. This is not a measure of self-worth. It also tells you nothing about what's going on under the hood. So, you know, a scale can be an effective tool if used maybe, I would say maximum once a week, but I'd rather see people weighing every two weeks, maybe even every month. It's just not like a leading indicator of what's going on. So that's something to think about. Again, y'all know who you are if you're a um, hop on, hop off, daily plus weigher. Number two on the extra credit list is start moving. If you don't exercise, you don't need to join a gym. I'd love it if you show up in one of my fitness classes. But go for a walk. Play with the kid. Just kind of get sweaty. You don't need to. I, I, I deal with this all the time with clients. Oh, well, I don't have time to work out. Well, do you have five minutes to walk around the block? If you did that a few times or even just got up and did some jumping jacks in the middle of the day, put a smile on your coworkers' faces maybe, but you're just getting the body pumping. We do not need to like hop on some gerbil machine for it to count as a workout. That's just, it's the wrong mentality. So any kind of movement is awesome for your body. Now on the flip side, there are those of you that overdo it. I used to be one of them. If you're doing the whole, look at all the calories I burned, I can eat whatever I want, or I'm just trying to be in a race with my scale, I'd say stop it. Stop overdoing it. This is actually depleting your body of nutrients. It's not a, a health investment. Water. <laughs> Extra credit. Drink water as your primary beverage. Stay hydrated. Duh. Sleep. Do it. This is when your body repairs. And oh my goodness, please cut out the bedtime snack. <laughs> A professor said we cannot um, rest and digest at the same time. 
That pretty much tells it like it is. And finally, take five. Take five to just close your eyes, get off the screen, be grateful. This is something that I resist to, but it, it is how I fill my cup. I don't have to do a whole meditative gratitude practice. I do try to do that as often as possible, but even just sitting quietly for five minutes and breathing, it, it's massively transformative, especially when you're, quote, too busy to do it. That's when you actually really need it. So I hope today was a helpful uh, debrief on my top 10 myths quiz, as well as just giving those three top things, plus a few extra credit items for free. Please share this podcast with those who might find it helpful. Check me out on Instagram at Nourishment Mindset, on LinkedIn at Dixie L. Huey. In either of those places, or you can find my email on favorfat.com. You can send me a note to request a future episode, ask a question, etc. I really appreciate your support. I hope you have a fabulously nourishing week, and I look forward to the next Tuesday where we'll have episode number eight of the Nourishment Mindset Podcast.